Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome back to the Mellow Compass podcast. This week, we are talking to the lovely Shanice. Shanice has accomplished so much in her career over the last four and a half years, during which she has worked with some massive artists, including George Ezra, Rick Ross, Skepta, Steph London, Wretch32, the list goes on. We dive into her career history, the importance of making yourself indisposable, along with some of the amazing projects she spearheaded in 2020 in her role as Artist Relations Manager at YouTube and YouTube Music. These include YouTube Music's Excellence Brunch, which celebrated the best of Black British culture in music and the Legacy Series, a series championing Black fashion designers and Black musical talent. Shanice is also an ambassador for the PRS Foundation Power Up and is passionate, like many of us, about tackling anti-Black racism in the music industry. Shanice, it's such an honour to have you on the podcast today. Thank you so much for coming on. We like to dive in with a couple of warm-up questions so our listeners can get to know a bit about you as a person as well as the professional you. So to begin, what is that song that gets you on the dance floor what is your most favorite track of all time wow okay so the song that would get me on the dance floor at the moment if we went out out it'd probably be diggity Woy, or it would probably be a track like a really old beyonce track or a really old drake track and my favorite song of all time is actually kanye west jesus walk but that is just something that is just timeless i don't know if it'll get me on the dance floor but it's definitely one of my favorite songs of all time how would you describe yourself in three words oh bubbly positive and probably organized i know it's a very random one but i'm very like need to know what i'm doing day to day i need to know what's happening in like three weeks it's very weird but i've always been like this i like to be very organized but also positive i feel like especially in the times that we live in now it's just those little positive affirmations or like quotes are really helping me and I just like to be able to give back to people in terms of like positive energy so I'm kind of like my friends will say that I'm the positive one yeah likewise and I think also being organized is probably a massive asset to your current job where did your passion for music come from so I've always loved music since I was young I have a lot of siblings so I grew up around a lot of music and my dad used to play music my mum used to play music all the time and obviously used to have like T4 and like party in the park 
on Channel 4, so I used to watch all those things, and then I was like, oh my god. I've always had a passion for it, but I never thought in a million years I would actually work with artists day to day, which I still find so crazy. So you did always know that you wanted to work in music. Were there any barriers when you started to break into the industry that you came up against? For example, you started your career at Zenith, which is a media agency. Was that more of a strategic move, working in media and then going to move into a label, or... Tell us a little bit how your journey began. Yeah, so I went to uni and I studied sociology and I've always been very interested in society and the things in society that make people go or like do certain things. And then when I got to uni, I was like, okay, how do I still get into music? So in third year, I did my dissertation on hip hop and the negative connotations it has on black women. So I kind of depicted um, Kanye West gold digger and Nelly's tip drill to kind of depict those videos and kind of go back into history and the music etc so then I was like okay great this must give me a stepping stone into getting an internship still didn't happen and then I actually applied for O2's go think big I'm not sure if they still have it but it was like a work experience where you go in they kind of tell you your skills and what they think you should kind of do so I did that and then I actually landed a job at Zenith so I was like what skills can I take from media and hopefully take into my next job if I can go into music I just kept applying 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 I think it took me two and a half years to get even a look in <laughs> so it was a while and then one of my um, friends actually said look there's a Sony internship you should apply for it and I was like there's no way in hell I'm getting that firstly it was like a video interview but they're like, okay, go, here's a question, answer 30 seconds after. So you don't actually have any thinking time. So you do that, you do a telephone interview, and then you actually have interviews with each label. And then whoever thinks you'll be good for that role. So I think I did about eight in the end. And then I did one with the digital marketing team at Columbia Records. And I left it and Paula, the lady that was head of marketing at the time, was like, you should work into marketing. So then she actually told the team, oh, you should interview Shen. And I did interview the next day. And then I think they called me like a couple of hours later. And then that's kind of how I started my role at Sony. So it took a very long time. But I guess I, I wouldn't change it. I was able to get so many skills from Zenith. Client-based, organisational skills. All those things that you think, oh yeah, I can do that. It was kind of making sure that I knew what I wanted to do. And I just continued to try and get it. And then I did, which was great. Yeah. So were you applying for jobs throughout the time that you were at Zenith? Yeah, <laughs> the whole time. Even if it was an internship or work experience, I used to try and save up my holiday in case I was able to get like a work experience for a week at a label. Yeah, and probably by that time as well, you'd had quite a lot of experience with speaking to people and interviewing and kind of knowing what works and what doesn't work. Yeah, definitely. It's funny because I still remember what my manager, Beck, who I'm really good friends with now, still actually was like... The reason why they said yes quite quickly is because I was like, I don't need you to be on my back the whole time. Tell me what I need to do and I will kind of get on with it. And then if I need to ask questions, I will. And she was like, yeah, we need quite independent people in music because it's so fast paced. You can't rely on like constantly someone else telling you what to do. Yeah. And you talk a lot about being indispensable as one of the attributes which cause you to be headhunted for YouTube. Tell us a little bit about what that looked like inside of the role that you had at Columbia because you started out as a marketing intern, which is firstly incredible because the Sony internship process is a little bit like the X Factor auditions. Marketing intern and then you went on to being a marketing assistant in the Columbia records team. What were the qualities that made you indispensable within that role? It's funny because when you're 
in that role, you're just like, look, guys, I'm here. This is what I can do. These are the skills that I already have. So I think what I did when I got there, which was lucky, was like, there were so many acts. Like, Columbia will probably have 50 acts at a time in cycle, to be honest. So I was like the marketing assistant for the whole team. So just really getting stuck in there and being like, okay, what do you need help with? What can I kind of learn? Adding things for example, documents or templates and stuff that the team can use. So it's adding things to their life that's going to make them easier. And we used to have meetings with each department like on a weekly basis. So we would meet with the sales team or we'd meet with the press team, etc. And it's funny because the head of marketing there, Alex, would used to always be like, oh no, Shen's coming because I used to round up the whole team and be like, we can't be late for a meeting. We need to get it done and stuff like that. So just kind of managing upwards as well I think is really key because you're the assistant and you're the one that kind of knows what's happening across the board you need to kind of make sure that everyone knows exactly what's going on so like making sure everyone's updated as well I don't think people understand how key that is in a label if everyone knows what's happening then it's less stress so it's just trying to do those things and going above and beyond your job kind of being a little bit brave as well and be like oh I'm happy to help with this or I could take this on but also don't stress yourself trying to do too much because then you don't want to fall on the admin things that you should be doing the reasons why you should be hired that should be done to a t and then anything above is a bonus yeah brilliant basics knowing your brilliant basics is so important but then also knowing what your value is is equally important and then going above and beyond as well because then you know you're making yourself irreplaceable and you get recognized for it which is exactly what what happened with you so you got headhunted for the temp role at youtube um, tell us a little bit about that process. How were you approached? Did you know how long that temporal was going to be? What were the kind of the thought processes that you went through when you were, you know, already at Columbia, going to YouTube? Massive opportunity. Yeah, at that point, I think I was at Columbia for about two and a half years. So in between, like, when am I going to get promoted to like a junior product manager or is a label something that I want to do so I wasn't actively looking but I also was like okay if there's anything that does come up I'm really happy to explore so one of my good friends actually worked quite closely with my team now on a project and she actually put my name forward and was like they were looking for someone they're like oh Shen would be great so my manager now actually called me and was like hey your name's come up a couple of times um we've got this job going would you like to kind of explore and I was like oh my god firstly it's YouTube and google and i was like okay this is perfect and then at that time they just launched youtube music and i was really interested in that because they actually came in to present to us i think probably a couple of weeks before i had my interview so i was like this is really great so i went in and then i met the team and had i think three interviews with each of my team members now and i was like okay it's obviously a temp role i was willing to take that risk because i did the same thing from zenith to columbia and i was like i'm happy to do that and i feel like if that did go wrong at YouTube, I have a lot of connections to try and either, for example, go back to Sony or go to another label. So I was willing to take that risk and I'm so grateful that I did now because I wouldn't be in the position now. But I think when you do take those risks, you have to, again, add to the team and make yourself indispensable. And if you're not willing to do that or like really, really work hard, then it's probably something that you shouldn't do unless you're like, I know this is exactly what I want. But I also always knew that I wanted at some point to work at a streaming platform or more of the digital side, especially because of the climate that we're in now. So that's kind of how it happened. And I'm like really grateful because I just didn't think I would ever be able to work at YouTube, if I'm being honest. 
Yeah, definitely. Do you think having that major label experience gave you access to working at a place like YouTube? And do you think, say, if you want to work at YouTube or want to work at a platform similar to that, do you think there is the same or less opportunity for people, say, working on the indie side or um, coming from a slightly different part of the industry? I don't think so. I think one of the things that was really helpful for me was the contacts I had in the industry already. Even when I was at Columbia, obviously there was loads of gigs, there was loads of events. I kind of always networked because you just don't know who you're going to work with in a couple of years. So I think that was really helpful for my role now is that I had a lot of contacts. And obviously because YouTube Music was starting and I was like, oh, this artist would be great for us to work with, this artist would be great to work with. And I really had those relationships with managers. So that really helped me go in over especially because people wanted to do more of youtube but didn't know who to speak to so i was kind of that middle person for a while to be like oh i know this artist manager let's get a meeting in etc and that's kind of how i think kind of made myself a little bit indispensable because we were able to do some cool stuff in the first like six seven months that i was there i think the first event that i did at youtube was the skepta live stream which was really cool and it was something that i didn't think i would be able to do but it was great that my team really trusted me and allowed me to kind of own that project and kind of work with the team and the spaces team to pull that off. So I think definitely having relationships prior or like networking is really key. Like we had things like LinkedIn, even Instagram, which was great to kind of just go to people like, hey, this is what I want to do or look at other people's profiles and say what are their journey and how you could kind of amplify it to yourself and kind of just learn some skills within the job that you're doing now that will help you go to your next role yeah I think it is being really strategic isn't it and knowing what your transferable skills are and that's something that we really don't get taught at school at all and it's so bad and I was just lucky that I thought media and music could go hand in hand yeah definitely and particularly now that you're working at YouTube which is a mix between music and media so being an artist relations manager what exactly does that entail? Like, what does your day-to-day look like? My role is to manage the relationship between artists and their managers and kind of keep them updated with the new products that we have at YouTube, making sure we know about their release schedules, how we can amplify them and how we can kind of help them with their campaigns. Just all those things. It's like, there's so much that goes into it, but it's quite hard to explain because the day-to-day is different. When we were actually back in the office, we were able to do, like, events a little bit more. So, like... EP, mixtape, album launches, single launches, panels, um, working with different people in the industry. So we work quite closely with like the MMF, which is great. Also Power Up. Um, so there's just different things you do internally. And yeah, it's just the day-to-day managing relationships with artists and managers. So you've got to know your YouTube as well. And that crosses over between YouTube, the video platform, and YouTube, the streaming platform, doesn't it? Yes, yes. So... That's actually good to mention. So YouTube Music is a streaming platform that launched two years ago. So that whole ecosystem has playlists, playlist covers, etc. And then YouTube, obviously, is where people upload their videos. And I guess a big part of my role now is making sure that artists that we are working with have official artist channels. So it just pulls in all your videos into one place so fans can go in and look at all your videos, even if you've uploaded to a different platform like Colours or GRM it pulls it all through or if you featured another track it pulls everything in which is great so that was something that we launched I think probably two years ago as well. There is a lot of event work that goes on tell us a little bit about some of the key events that you worked on last year. 
There were a bunch of events for Black History Month. So that was the Black Female Instrumental in the Closing Party. And then actually at the very beginning of the year, there was the Excellence Brunch, which was all about celebrating Black British culture in music, which is just so important. And also the fact that YouTube is doing it and being such a big voice in that area of the business is brilliant. And also brilliant for you to be able to have access to that and be able to curate and be really open yes so um the excellent brunch happened was coming up to a year now which i just find so crazy because it's like actually when you think about it it's literally like two weeks after and then everything's shut so we're really lucky in terms of the date because that could have just been like no we're not doing it and i would have probably cried for like 40 days um but what's really great about my role is that i'm able to work cross-functionally and like globally so Tumar and Lior obviously in the US and we were thinking about doing something around the Brits so we ended up doing um the brunch the Sunday before um which was great and I guess people were kind of waiting for someone to do like a version of the Rock Nation brunch in the US before the Grammys and no one had done it here so we kind of all put our heads together and thought of doing a brunch before which was great we were also able to work with Irene who um, works close with a lot of artists and is very prominent in the community, which was awesome. So it was trying to bring everyone together for a celebration around the Brits. Because obviously, black artists are still not that present in a lot of these awards. So it was trying to give the culture a moment to celebrate and just come together and like see all the amazing things that we've done over the year. Like obviously, there's so much more that we are gonna be doing. But this was like a moment for all of us to kind of come together and celebrate. And it was just so great because I had a, such an amazing turnout. And it was just great vibes and just kind of showing that this is the things that we need to start celebrating a little bit more. I think sometimes in the news as well, it's a lot of negative stuff about black culture, black people. And I think this was really great that YouTube even allowed us to do something on this scale and kind of show this is what black British culture is. And we want to celebrate all the amazing stuff that it's done. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. 
Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The other event, which was at the back end of last year, was the start of the Legacy Series, fashion and music. So to end the year on a high with that event was huge. So the Legacy Series, this one in particular, was a celebration of black British fashion and music in partnership with Westfield in West London and Guap magazine as a pop-up and also a live stream. And you had loads of artists and fashion collaborations. Share a little bit about what your role was in that and how it came to be. See, now it seems like it was forever ago, even though it was like literally two months ago. So we were kind of brainstorming. So we have the Black Voices Fund now at YouTube or at Google. So YouTube actually pledged 100 million over five years, which was great to kind of amplify Black voices across creators and artists. And we wanted to create something that would be like timeless. And I think a lot of us always use the word Black excellent, but no one's really thought about the legacy of like, we want to do things, but we want it to continue. So um, I kind of came up with the name The Legacy Series so that it's anything that we do kind of fits underneath the umbrella, which is great. So like, for example, the Fashion Times music fits under there nicely because I think music and fashion go so hand in hand. And I don't think anyone's actually put the two together and be like, okay, these two are so entwined. Why has no one actually celebrated the two? So um, we kind of worked with the Ballyhoo, a crave agency, Westfield, Guap, to produce everything. I was like the project manager for it, which was great. So they helped us with the artists and the designers and like the look and feel. And we worked with Remedy, which was great. So they kind of brought Phil Ramion, on, who was the director and the photographer for the whole live stream, which was fantastic. So it was just a great moment of like bringing the two together and actually hearing from the designers. I think a lot of people forget there's a lot of black designers in the UK doing amazing things. And obviously there's a lot of black UK artists that are just thriving. And it was nice to kind of bring the two together. And it actually came up a thousand times better than I ever thought it would. Um, so it was incredible to have such a great team around it and just kind of seeing them pull the vision together. And it was just, it was great. It was really, really great. Yeah, I think it's also a really good example of going above and beyond and recognising the place that YouTube as a wider company has in championing Black British talent, but then also providing that as a platform for people to connect and collaborate and also start a conversation about this and not just a conversation about Black music, but also Black fashion, because fashion and music go so closely together, but yet so much we talk about white fashion designers and black artists so it's it's like well, why aren't we talking about all areas of 
black excellence than creating a legacy for everything because this is not just a conversation in, in music it's everywhere yeah a hundred percent and i totally agree with everything that you said and it was nice to have this be like a conversation starter because it was like great that westwood even wanted to get on board and it's like this is amazing these are the things that we want to kind of help amplify so even having the pop-up store in westwood was huge because it was like those black designers are in one of the biggest shopping centers in europe so it was great to kind of have that live offline as well as having the conversation online so it was really nice to go hand in hand and i think we're definitely going to try and do it again which is really exciting and hopefully year by year we can just amplify it and make it bigger and actually at some point hopefully be part of like fashion the fashion week schedule of being like these are the artists and the brands that we want to highlight but in a, a way where it's like authentic as well as this is bringing awareness of these designers and artists. Yeah, absolutely. Because it is a series. So what is the the next event? Like, what is the next natural step, do you think, for this series? Yeah, so we're definitely going to try and do the Fashion Times music again, which will be awesome. So we'll hopefully try and do that on a yearly thing, do some talks. So like we had the Black Female Instrumental around, I think it was October 2019, so during Black History Month. So we definitely want to try and do that again. Definitely want to do the brunch at some point. Want to go into like different things to kind of show the impact of Black British culture and making sure people know that when you kind of quote unquote hear the Legacy series, you know that's about Black British culture and what YouTube is trying, and especially in the UK, what we're trying to do and how to amplify Black voices, especially which is great that we have the Black Voices Fund. So there's going to be a lot more that you're going to see from the Legacy series which is really, really exciting. And I just find it so great that YouTube is allowing to, us to do these things and kind of continue the conversation. Because I think, especially with the last year with everything happening with Black Lives Matter and George Floyd, it's really important for us to not only talk about these issues, but also celebrate Black culture and not always have to have negative connotation around it. Like, there's so much for us to celebrate. Yeah, definitely. Going back to what we were saying about the news earlier, the news does curate that fear. And it's not all about fear and it, like living life in fear is not fun, <laughs> you know, celebrating what we've got and the people around us is so key. So yeah, love it. How has joining YouTube influenced you personally? So obviously you've been able to create some of these incredible and very important events, but obviously, you know, it's all part of our personal growth at the same time. It's influenced me so much. If you were to like, speak to my friends or even my team, even my previous employers, etc. I've like grown so much as a person. And it's quite crazy to me. So I look back, like, I used to hate public speaking, like hate it. Even doing like a podcast like this, I would literally be like, up all night being like, I can't do this, I can't do this, I can't do this. But YouTube has just really empowered me to kind of be myself. Once I kind of continued to be myself, I was able to be like, oh, this idea or oh, I think about this, or guys, I don't know anything about this. Can you help me? So I think it was more of like, I've just grown a lot as a person and kind of understand what my skills are, what I need improvement on, what are my passions, what are the things I need to develop. So I think it's my team. My team and my friends have really empowered me to kind of be myself and continue to grow because I've always been like, I hate talking about myself. I hate being like, oh, guys, I did this project. Like, I used to hate owning things. So I never want to think people to think, oh, you think you did that, so this means this. And it's like, no, no, no. I, like, I used to get really paranoid about it. But now I'm like, okay, 
this is an event I put on. I'm really proud of it. And I think it's just learning not to be boastful, but to be proud. And I think that's the key difference. Yeah. Yeah, I think also society has really answered to that as well. Whereas before, several years ago, it was, you know, oh, I've done this and that means this, rather than sharing it and being proud of it. It is that difference between people reciprocating it as boasting and being proud and it's like how we actually hear what people say it's like just because someone is sharing about this incredible project doesn't mean that you're not going to do something similar like that in the future that's actually another thing that's come up a lot um recently and also um in the conversation about power up is the power of collaboration versus competition because we do work in a very competitive industry. That's just how it is. But it, then it's also finding a way to make yourself stand out and be unique. And it is our unique factors that play a part in making us who we are and also creating what companies are as well and helping them see what they kind of need. And I think particularly in like the black culture side of things, you know, the music industry has been run by white males for a long time so now we have women firstly in our black culture you know really shouting about like you need us because the business needs to reflect the type of music that the fans are consuming so what do you think uh, in an application for example could help you stand out from the crowd there's so much, especially the digital age that we're living in, it's so easy for us to kind of consume a lot of things that could be helpful. For example, with YouTube, like the trending chart is amazing. Like it kind of tells you what music is being consumed constantly and it refreshes so much. So like being in the know of what is happening on the platform or music, like who's charting, who's come out of nowhere who's doing youtube numbers who's doing spotify numbers do you know what i mean so there's there's so many things now that you can kind of look at and be like okay i understand how charts work or i understand how the trending charts work or just trying to figure out what is best is like it's quite a hard thing because we all kind of consume the same things constantly so i know it's quite difficult to people be like okay how do i make myself stand up because we all get given the same information so i think it's trying to build skills outside of the things that we all can do so for example we can all read the chart we can all do these certain things i'm trying to think what i would try and make my unique factor is it knowing a certain genre inside out is it having connections with people across the business or is there a certain for example there's a no a lot of labels are looking at different genres so like afrobeats and drill is like do i know afrobeats inside out because i know obviously Africa is an emerging market and people want to do a lot more there so it's like is that the path that I go through so trying to find something that you know is going to be very key for labels or for DSPs or something so it's like having a skill set in a in an area that isn't so black and white on like a application so they might be like oh have contacts within the industry but then that person like, oh actually I know x person and these continents or in this genre and da, 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 da. So I think find your niche and going okay what is this company not doing and where is the rest of the industry going 
okay, look at myself, what can I bring to that? Am I able to add value in that area? Um, yeah, and then put that in your cover letter or um, share that in your interview and like why you think that that is so important as well. Because then it shows that you're understanding the company, but also then understanding the industry that you work in, which again are, are two attributes, which may seem very simple, but they are so so incredibly important um and i think also sometimes it's those those things can be easy to forget when you've been in a role for a few years because as humans we tend to get comfortable um but actually working in the music industry you cannot get comfortable because it's also very unpredictable okay so you were on the board for part of the event with girls in power and power up last week it was the mood board masterclass and you're also an ambassador of power up for anyone who hasn't heard of power up um it's an initiative supporting black music creators and industry professionals and executives addressing anti-black racism and racial disparities in music so obviously an ambassador for that and youtube is a partner so that feels like a very natural connection to power up, but also YouTube music gives you that like credibility at the same time. So what is your role as an ambassador for that? The ambassador is kind of to help them kind of shape things that they're going to be going forward with. So lucky enough, this is a new program, so I can kind of tap in as much as I want to and where I feel like my skills will be able to help them. And obviously being at YouTube, I can kind of help them to be like, okay, these are the things that I'm kind of seeing internally that would be great to see changes in or like with the applications, I'm definitely going to be helping to kind of see what things people are bringing in. And like, it's also going to be great because that means that I can kind of go back to my team and be like, oh, this is amazing. These are the sort of things that are coming through. Like, what can we do internally as well to kind of champion these things, especially as we're going to be a partner. And I think an ambassador is more of like champion the initiative and making sure that people know about it and understand the importance of it and kind of shouting about it constantly where I can. So it's really exciting because it's a new program. It's kind of like we're all kind of coming together and figuring out this is the first time we're doing it. What things will work, things won't work. What can we add more of? What can there be less of? So I think my role as an ambassador is just kind of amplify where I can and see where they need my help, which is really exciting because I think it's such a great initiative and I'm really happy that they've come forward and be like, this is what, this is the change that we need. And I think that's what I was talking about on the mood board class. It's like, we all need to come together with these things. I can't just say I'm going to be an ambassador and then be like, okay, my name's on something. So that means I've done my job. It's like, no, how can I help them continue to push this initiative and make it the best that it can be? Definitely. It's really making it an intentional conversation rather than just doing it for the sake of it, you know, doing it for long-term change. So a couple of things that we like to close with. What are the three things you have learned in your career that you would want listeners to take away? Number one, make yourself indispensable. Number two, find your niche and don't be afraid to go full throttle with it, whether it's something that you might not think people would care about. Don't be afraid of being yourself and going forth with what your passion is. And number three is... Learn as many skills as you can that are transferable because the music industry is constantly changing. So the more skills that you can learn that can transfer to different roles within the music industry would be very, very key.
as you can see, I've moved from media to marketing to arts relations in the space of four years. So the more skills you can learn to kind of transfer, I think that'd be great. What are the skills that you would look for when hiring in your team? Great question. Um, Organisational skills, people skills. I know it's a weird one, but my job is day-to-day talking to artists and, and managers and internal people. So you need to have people skills, especially if you're presenting or trying to get um, projects over the line and stuff like that. You need to kind of have those skills to kind of be able to get your team on board with it. What's the best advice anyone has ever given you? Be yourself. Just be yourself. Um, and finally, if listeners want to connect with you, where can they find you? You can find me on my Instagram, which is my first and last name. So S-H-E-N-I-E-C-E-C-H-A-R-W-A-Y. And that is my LinkedIn, that is my Twitter, that is my Instagram. I'm very boring, but I just thought it'd be easy to just have my name. <laughs> so it's been an absolute privilege. I have loved talking to you. Thank you so much. The Mellow Compass podcast is produced by the wonderful Rosie Bennett. To keep updated on the latest episodes, hit like and subscribe and we'll see you next time. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.